Well, good morning. Would you join me in prayer as we begin today? Heavenly Father, we gather here today in the name of our Lord Jesus. We invite your Holy Spirit to work in our midst. We invite you to have your way with us. Thank you for the freedom that we have to gather and worship together here as one expression of the body of Christ. Father, tomorrow's a day designated as Martin Luther King Jr. Day in our country. We pause to thank you for Dr. King. We thank you for using Dr. King's strong, clear voice to expose racism in this country and in the church. We thank you for his sacrifice. And Lord, in some ways, many gains have been made when it comes to racial reconciliation. In other ways, it seems like we have a long, long way to go. We pray for the body of Christ across this country and in this city and in this room. Jesus, you have purchased for God with your blood those from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And we love this vision for the church comprised of people from every ethnicity. And so we ask you that you would take away any hindrances in us that would inhibit that vision. We ask you to show us our blind spots related to color and race, replace indifference and apathy when it comes to matters of racial reconciliation, replace it with a passion for having the heart and the mind of Christ. Father, we pray in light of the ongoing pandemic, it's been hard on almost all of us, but it seems that it's been especially hard for area teachers and educators and students, for healthcare professionals, for those who sell us food and other essentials. We do thank you, Lord, for the work that they do, for the way that they serve all of us, for the way that they promote the common good. We ask for stamina and perseverance for them. We pray that you would keep them healthy and encouraged, and we commit ourselves, Lord, to being patient and understanding instead of angry and demanding, as is so common. We do pray for relief from COVID and ultimately an end to this pandemic. We pray for those who are suffering the ongoing effects of COVID, physical, mental, and economic effects. Use us as we go through our days to serve and encourage those around us who are suffering. And Father, today as we turn our attention to your word and the topic of work, we invite you to be our teacher, incline our hearts to your word. By your grace, melt away any resistance that we might have to you and to your will. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so this morning and next Sunday morning, the topic of these messages is work. And when I say work here at Faith, we're talking about the actual work you do, Uh, the main thing you do every week, whether you get paid for it or not, the main contribution that you make every week. And so if you do something and you you get a paycheck, that is obviously uh, your work, right? Whether it's full-time or part-time. And so you may work as a teacher, a mechanic, a farmer, a nurse, a soldier, a campus pastor, an administrator, a small business owner, an artist. You may work in some profession related to building or fixing houses. You may be in the military in some capacity. Uh, That is your work. Your work may involve caring for children, your kids, maybe your grandkids. Uh, Your work at this uh, stage of your life 
might involve volunteering somewhere. Uh, some of you spend many hours volunteering here at Faith or in other worthy organizations in our community. I know one person who told me, said, at this stage of my life, my main thing is praying. That is the main thing that she could do at that stage of life. And so as we go through this message today, keep in mind your work. By the way, if you're a student, newsflash, your work is school, okay? That is the main thing you are about at this stage in life. And I just want to acknowledge, some of you would say you have your dream job. Others of you would say, you know, what I am currently doing for my work doesn't really suit me. I don't want to do this long term. And that's okay. The things we're going to talk about today are relevant for every single one of us, whatever our work. Okay, look at this example of a weekly calendar. And your work week may look very different from this. Mine does. I work on Sundays, okay? But this person, the green is the work. This person works 8 to 5. This is the ideal work week, right? And so the green is this person's work. The purple would represent the times when this person very intentionally seeks after God. And so like you, this person gathers with others to worship on Sunday mornings. And then at 6 a.m., this person has a, an appointment with God. This person seeks God through the word, through prayer, through contemplation. And on Wednesday nights, this person gathers in a life group or a Bible study for spiritual conversation, discussing the scriptures, for praying, for encouraging one another, and for, for uh, building community. Here's my question. What is the relationship between the purple and the green on your calendar? What is the relationship between your specific intentional times of seeking God and the work that you do, the main thing you do every week? And you may not have really thought about this much. Uh, one possibility, though, is that there's no relation between the two. I've had conversations with people that suggest that they, they really believe that God really doesn't care what they do for their work. I mean, he just doesn't matter. You need to eat, so you need to earn money, so you work a job. But what God really cares about are the purple times. He really cares about the times when you're seeking him and doing uh, explicitly Christian things. And uh, let me just say this. The purple times absolutely matter. It absolutely matters that we seek God in intentional ways. We're actually going to start a series in two weeks on seeking God. But it would be a strange thing indeed if God sent his one and only son to rescue a people for his own possession and he didn't really care about the, the, the best hours of your week, whatever they are. It, it would be strange if all he really cared about was a, a short list of spiritual activities and the rest of it was irrelevant. Good news. There's another possibility. The other possibility is that the green and the purple have everything to do with each other. Uh, the other possibility is that our intentional times of seeking God deepen us and establish us and give us this, this foundation where we can embody the gospel and we can embody the faith the rest of the week especially when it comes to the main thing we do, our work. 
And so our work is an expression of our relationship with God. And so this morning and next Sunday morning, we're going to look at two scriptures that encourage this second perspective. The passage I read earlier in 1 Timothy 4, Paul instructs Timothy how to do his work as a pastor. And so Timothy was a young pastor in the city of Ephesus, and uh, he instructs him uh, how he should do it well. And we're going to use Timothy's, Paul instruction to Timothy as a template for how all of us should do our work. And I think as we go along, you'll see that this is a legitimate way to apply this passage. I want to return to the last verse that I read. Paul makes kind of a summary statement of what Timothy needs to pay attention to. He says there's two main things, Timothy, you have to pay attention to. He says this, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching which is a core responsibility for Timothy in his work. He says, persevere in these things. So it wasn't enough just to take a glance at it, consider it once or twice, and then move on to other things. No, he says, persevere, continue, make this an ongoing focus in your life. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. There are life or death consequences for whether or not Timothy did his work well. Because it involved the gospel, if he fulfilled his calling, he would experience his salvation. Because he taught the gospel, people who received his teaching, they would experience salvation as well. So pay, t- t- pay attention to these two things. And so what I want to do is, uh, is look at this, each of those separately, pay attention to yourself, and then pay attention to your work. And we'll see how it applied to Timothy or me for that matter, as a pastor, and then we'll see, talk about the application for everyone in every type of work. So he begins, Timothy, pay close attention to yourself. The main thing that you bring to your work is yourself. The main thing that Timothy brought to his work as a pastor was himself. And so if you read First and Second Timothy with an eye toward it, you will see that Paul peppers these letters with things that Timothy needed to pay attention to about himself, virtues he needed to cultivate, vices that he needed to put aside. For example, read it earlier back in verse 12 of First Timothy 4, he said this, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, Show yourself an example of those who believe. And so he mentions Timothy's youthfulness. Timothy was likely in his his 30s at this time. And Paul was aware that there might be the tendency for some people to kind of discount Timothy because of his age. He's just a young buck. We don't really need to pay attention to to him. And so Paul says, Timothy, instead of letting people dismiss you, you need to live a life that is so compelling that people wouldn't dare ignore you as a pastor. And so it says, here are five areas you need to pay attention to. And uh, let's just consider one of those. You need to set an example in these five ways. But the first one he mentions is in your speech. Again, this is relevant for all of us in our work, right? And so both Testaments talk about the importance of the words we speak. And so our words flow from whatever fills our, our hearts. And so the heart is the command and control center of the human life. We live from the heart. And so whatever is in our hearts will eventually come out of our mouths. It will manifest itself in the way we live our lives. And so if we harbor angry, vindictive 
thoughts, in our hearts, attitudes, we will eventually speak angry, vindictive words. If we have kind and generous thoughts toward people and we treasure them up in our hearts, sooner or later we will, we will speak generous and kind words to other people. And so paying attention to his speech was essential for Timothy's effectiveness. Notice, for example, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, what Paul wrote about speaking. And this is what, this is what everybody wants for their pastor, okay? He said, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Nobody wants a pastor who just loves a good fight, right? But here's an alternative. Be kind instead of, instead of mean. Uh, be able to teach, of course, Quarreling with people doesn't work. You actually want people to learn, so you need to be able to teach. Patient with when wronged. You don't want somebody who's hot-headed or, or just angry. Uh, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. And so Paul says, Timothy, you need to be on the lookout for these things. Pay attention to these things so that they don't nullify your ministry, your work as a pastor. And I have to say for, for myself, I mean, this is money. The, the, I've spent more time in First and Second Timothy than any books in the Bible. Uh, some of the main regrets I have as a pastor involve either what I've said or how I've said it. And so I think we'd all agree it's important for those of us who are pastors to pay attention to our speech, right? And when we when we make mistakes or sin with our speech, speech what do you want us to do? Well, you want us to go into the, the presence of God, the purple times. You want us to go in the presence of God and admit as much. You want us to seek God through the scriptures and understand, okay, what does God want for my speech? You want me to apologize to God. You want me to apologize to whoever I've offended with my speech. And you want me to learn how to do different, right? To speak better. We all want that for our pastors, right? Guess what? Your coworkers, your boss, your clients, your customers, your kids, whoever is influenced by your work, they want the same thing as well. They want you to pay attention to yourself, specifically your speech, so that you speak kind and generous words. And when you blow it, they want you to learn from it. You pay attention to it. They want you to learn from it and do different and so, if you pay attention to yourself, you will notice things. If you ignore yourself, you're going to have blind spots all over the place. Everybody else knows it, but you will miss it. But if you pay attention to yourself, you, you, um, I don't want to give the impression you'll only see your vices. You will also notice virtues as well, and that's good. Don't, don't be too afraid of getting a big head about it. I mean, just thank God for it when you see virtues in your life. This past week, I asked a couple of people at Faith here to, to share some of their reflections about their work. And what they, they told me is very insightful. One person who works in a medical profession wrote this. The first thing he noticed about himself was he really, when he pays attention, is his speech. He said this, he says, what is coming out of my mouth at work can sometimes be difficult and challenging. A lot of topics of conversation can be rude, degrading, offensive, inappropriate, etc. But they can also be enticing to join. Very insightful. He said, I recognize this is wrong, but I also recognize when I pay attention, my heart is enticed to join in. 
okay? That's insightful. That's money right there. But he says this. He says, I have made a conscious effort of not engaging in such conversations which people have respected. So that's an example of somebody who paid attention to himself in the green time, in the purple time, seek after God, what are my convictions? He learned from that. He deepened in his convictions. He comes back to the green time and says, hey, I need to let you know I'm not taking part in this. That's amazing, right? Pay close attention to yourself. Another person, this is a mom who cares for her young children at home. She wrote this. The main thing she noticed in herself, fear. She said, as a mom, I have felt myself naturally begin to fear for my children and what the future will look like. Thoughts like, will something happen to them? Will something something happen to me or my husband? The world just seems to be getting so dark and more evil. I wish I could shield them from so much. Fear as a parent is almost paralyzing. And I found this next line especially insightful. She says, it is my full-time job to care for them. So I do believe there's a place to be cautious and careful as a parent. But I don't believe that fear and anxiety are our burdens to bear or what God wants for herself, for, our, for our, myself. And so she recognized here that she had this fear. She has this anxiety because she was paying attention to herself. If she didn't pay attention to herself, it would go unchecked because she did, she can name it, and she can address it. And she goes on to describe that uh, how she sought after God and God's perspective, that has led her to trust him, that has led her to surrender her kids and her husband to the Lord and have hope for the future. And so pay close attention to yourself. This week, as you go about your work, Pay close attention to yourself. Notice what's in your heart by noticing what comes out of your mouth, what your, what, what, what your attitude, your perspective is. If you pay attention, God will show you important things, both good and bad, about yourself. Pay close attention to yourself. Second, Paul says, pay close attention to your work. Again, look at 1 Timothy 4.16. Pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. And so again, a core aspect of Timothy's work was his teaching, communicating scripture. So if you read First and Second Timothy, again, you will find over and over again, Paul tells Timothy, pay attention to what you teach. Teach this. Don't teach that. Teach this, and this is how you teach it. For example, Second Timothy 2.15 is, is representative. Paul said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So not surprisingly, this is his work. And so Paul tells Timothy, you should view studying the scripture as a laborer would, as a workman would. And specifically, you need to, be, you need to do two things. You need to be diligent as opposed to being lazy. And you need to be accurate as opposed to being sloppy or careless when you study the scriptures. And so instead of being lazy and sloppy, he was to be diligent and accurate. And if he did, again, he would experience the fullness of his salvation. And those who heard him, they would hear the gospel. Those that received it, they too would experience salvation. So again, this is a template for us. There's a sense in which every single one of us, no matter what your work, every single one of us 
should be uh, diligent and accurate in the way we go about our work. And we're talking about our actual work, the work we do. We're not talking about work as a platform for sharing the gospel. It is that on occasion, but the topic today is, the, is our work itself, being diligent and accurate in our work. And I could give you a few examples of the way people have been lazy and sloppy in their work, and, uh, and it's annoying. I could give those examples. But I could give you so many more examples of ways that I experience people doing their work diligently and accurately in a way that benefits me and many, many others. I could tell you about my dental hygienist and my dentist, the way they do their work. I could tell you about small business owners who have developed a culture to where you walk in the doors from the, from the owners to the front desk people to the employee. There's this spirit of hospitality that just welcomes you in. I could talk about the plumber that came to my, my house two weeks ago. We had this, this problem in our bathroom, and he just over the top took care of it and, and went above and beyond the, the call of duty to make it right. I could tell you about the mechanic I went to. I had the air conditioning problem in my car last summer, and he gave me these two options. I said, what would you do? He said, if I were you, I'd go with the less expensive option. I said, that's what I'm going to do then, and I'm glad I did. I could tell you about I could tell you about my doc. I've got more than one doc that calls me and checks up on me. Says, "Hey, just wondered how you're doing after your appointment." So I could tell you about all sorts of all sorts of people who do their work well. Many many people across this community that are diligent and accurate, and uh, and we all benefit from that. Next week we're going to go add one more element the element that's distinctively Christian, namely our motivation for doing our work well. A hundred years ago, Dorothy Sayers made this memorable statement. She said, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him to not be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. Can we all agree we don't want a a Christian carpenter to be drunk and disorderly? It's always good for a Christian carpenter to come to worship with others, right? But what the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. Just like you want your preacher, your pastor to be diligent and accurate in teaching the word, we want a good Christian carpenter to make good tables. Returning to the examples that were shared with me this week, the man in the medical profession told me about opportunities that he has to serve people in his work because he pays attention to what he does. And one of the things, fascinating, he said, one of the things he does is he gives, he gives his, his patients time and he really listens to them and asks insightful questions and gives time for the real issues to surface. And he said what often happens is that people come in for some medical physical issue, but as he asks questions and listens to them, he also notices that there are many times mental issues that need to be addressed, mental health issues, and he can guide them to, to the appropriate person in that way. He also said that, that he also serves at work, quote, through the things that I don't necessarily get paid for, specifically by giving coworkers my time, time to listen to personal difficulties, investing in other people's careers, etc. And so he pays very close attention to his work, to his co-workers, 
and he, he, he listens to people. Consequently, God gives him opportunities overflowing to serve other people. And you probably have noticed this in your work. If you're really an inviting person, if you're actually a compassionate person, and you give people time, you kind of stop talking for once, and you listen to people, you won't believe what people will tell you. They will pour out their hearts to you. And so pay close attention to your work. The stay-at-home mom wrote this. She said, I was a teacher before I decided to stay home this year with the kids. My time at home this year has truly been such a joy for me. I spent the past six years investing in teaching other people's kids, and I'm certain that God used me in that role. But it's been such a blessing to be the one on the front lines of my own kid's life, getting to teach, guide, forgive, and ask for forgiveness for them, watch them grow, and just do life together. Absolutely, some days are easier than others, but it's been really fun and fulfilling to me to serve my family in new ways this year. From changing diapers to preparing meals to hearing my toddler begin to understand prayer and who Jesus is, it's all significant and brings glory to God. I'm grateful God has entrusted me with such an important work. And so she's paying very close attention, not only to herself, but to her work. And she's investing deeply in her kids, and it will bear fruit. Sometimes you don't see it for 10, 20, 30 years, but it bears fruit, and it continues to bear fruit over a kid's lifetime. So let's take another look at the weekly calendar. You know, discipleship involves experiencing God in all of life, including our work. And so this week, if you pay attention to yourself and to your work in the green times, I think you will find that the purple times are much more consequential. I find that sometimes people, people are bored in the purple times. They're kind of bored with seeking God, reading the Bible, praying, because they're not bringing God the most important things in their life. And many times, the most important things in our lives and in our, our world surface through our work. And so this week, pay close attention to yourself, pay close attention to your work. You'll have specific things. You'll have many things to talk with God about. And you will have issues that you will want to explore in the scriptures. So, Father, we want to be on board with this, this vision for our work. God, we, we want our work. We want to see our work in light of our relationship with you. And so, God, for those here today who are discouraged and demoralized, pray, God, that you would give them a, a newfound faith, a newfound hope, a newfound vision. Pray, God, that they might pay close attention to themselves in their work and pay close attention to the work itself. And pray that you would open our eyes in these things, show us things that, that need to be addressed, things that we might be affirmed in as well. And God, we pray that in all of it, that we would learn to, to follow you and learn to embody the gospel, our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.